Cradleine Network. Let's, my name is Conrad, this is the 238th episode of Space Spinner 2000, podcast where we try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're taking a break from the weekly progs and once again venturing into the exciting world of special editions, in this case, the 1991 sci-fi special. Unlike many specials, this one features mainly established like writers and artists, with thrills all built around a specific theme, as we'll discuss later. The price of this special has gone up 55, pen- 55 pence to an astounding £1.50, but I'm more excited by my guest for this episode, friend of the show, Martin. Welcome to the show, Martin! Hello, Conrad! All right, thank you for, for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. No problem. It's a thrill. Ah, uh, listen, we're all about thrills here. Absolutely. <laughs> I wonder if you could tell me about your uh, your your history with 2000 AD. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm not a prog one, but I am certainly old enough to be one. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, my first comic was Tiger, the sports comic, mm-hmm. even though I'm not sporty. Um, and then I went from there to the Eagle and then Battle. So all of these comics had 2000 AD advertised and referenced. Mm-hmm. I was well aware of it. Um, and then a friend of mine gave me some sort of random crocs, 300 and something, and I was just amazed at how different it was. It was just a bit darker and a bit, mm-hmm. all the heroes a bit sort of less, I don't know, heroic, I guess. So there's a, bit, a bit lot more, lot more going on there. Um, but every time I try to pick it up, it's always like every story was like, uh, volume nine or episode 38 or <laughs> six. Sure. But like, how do I ever get, how do I get into this? So, yeah. Uh, and that was, you know, that was a, a, a real thing. And then um, eventually, my other comics, they all ca- got cancelled and ate themselves and, you know, <laughs> what happens. Um, and then I eventually picked it up, uh, Prog 696, randomly, when I, went, I was going to college. I was a lot older than a oh, wow. seven-year-old. Yeah. yeah. And um, that was, so the end of Necropolis and just before the Meg, which I picked up as well, straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then almost... Straight away after that, I got a load of back issues lent from a friend, like the last few hundred issues, and that was what really got me into it. I was like, "Wow, this is this is amazing!" I missed I missed all this stuff when I was reading my Billy's Boots and all these football comics. <laughs> I could have been reading Strange and Dog, and I could have been reading, you know, Robo Hunt and all that all that cool stuff. I missed it, but anyway, I read it eventually. Absolutely, you know, it all, all, yeah. It was, it was really, really you know, such a different take on comics, really. It is, and a, then you, I got, yeah. Sorry, carry on. Oh no, no I, was, I was gonna say I've seen a little bit of um of of other not of other non two thousand AD English comics in the era. It is kind of interesting just to see the difference in two thousand AD. I like I, I mostly know like uh like the new Eagle, I guess, just from the Where Eagles Dare podcast, which is, like still has like three page stories that are very like cramped mm-hmm. and stuff, as opposed to our our larger like like four to six page two thousand AD thrills and things yeah. like that. Oh yeah, I mean that's obviously as you know, a lot of the creators are the same people, but I didn't yeah. really realize that. But so there was some, there were some good stories in the other ones, but um, they just weren't they weren't the same. I mean, you know, Charlie's War and stuff like that was amazing, but it was still yeah you know, the three four page format. Um, so yeah, two thousand is another level. And then um, I read it all through the two thousands, uh, so all through the nineties into two thousands, and then eventually somehow drifted away. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until like last year, and it was your podcast that got me back into it. Oh, all right, that's awesome. True. Yeah. That's the honest truth. And then I, um, I think I said before, I, um, I started reading my old, uh, 
face files, and then my kids go into it as a direct result. Oh, that's they fantastic. Their friends, their friends about it. So, you know, your podcast has, in a way, sold it back to the English kids because they, uh, like, <laughs> I see my kids' friends talking about Judge Death and Judge Fear. They never, they've never read it. They just play it, you know. They don't know what it is, but they, they love the sound of it. So it's a... Uh, you know, oh, wow. it's, it's paying it back, which I appreciate. So yeah, and then so uh, and then I've now got subscriptions as well on the back of it. So uh, yeah, Rebellion should give you some commission or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm I'm just happy they they let us keep existing. That's all. But um, yeah, true. <laughs> you know, uh, that but 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 that's really nice. I like I I I really appreciate that. You know, I'm sort of. It's so it's so weird just being I've, I'm I'm a real outsider I feel like to this 2000 AD stuff just you know different different continents different his different yeah. backgrounds and stuff but it is fun to um it's been fun really learning about it and this and just all this stuff I feel like like I've learned so much not, not just about like comic books and these stories themselves but even just about like British culture and various weird oh, things yeah. and stuff just sort of by osmosis just through the through this <laughs> through this stuff and it's been really neat meeting people and like you know sharing sharing the this pretty elite fandom like it's not a huge one so I think you know you I feel like I, I feel like it's possible to like be to know everybody who's currently reading 2000 AD almost <laughs> yes, <probably>. you know <laughs> but well, you must be the uh, you must be the, the uh, number one expert in, in America by now on the you must be surely i feel well like you know the pro i feel like there might be someone who knows more current stuff like i very much all my 2000 ad expertise is like someone in second grade teaching first grade or something you know i know i know up to what we've covered on the podcast and yeah. then there's very large gaps in what i've got you know um all i was going to say was yeah in in the in your country you know how many millions of people you you must be up there in the it is it, it is one of the fun like you know it's it's a little rough just when you're trying to talk about things like i definitely I, I i've often said that i know people that i would consider like real hardcore comic book nerds you know with, with yeah. thousands of comic books in their in in their houses and they know all this stuff and all they know, like all they know of 2000 AD, is just like Sylvester Stallone from yeah. the, <laughs> the 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 dread movie. Like yeah, you yeah, know, sure. they don't like they don't even you you know you you try to talk about like like Strontium Dog and there's just nothing. You know, it's like ah, oh, you know, you'd like it, but whatever. <laughs> but so you said you started reading around the late 600, so we're actually yeah, pretty close yeah. to where we are in our in our prog timeline right now. Like this must That's, be yeah. like your 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 early days. What we're talking about here? Yeah, so all the all the ones because I'm reading along with you, obviously, all the all the copies I look at, I, those covers, I they're all so familiar because I've read them so many times over and over again. So they're, they're all like every single cover is you know good or bad is very you know indelibly etched into my mind. So it's a uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a real nostalgia trip for this particular point. So it's really, you know, it's, it's a real little treat. That's excellent. So, did you have this special when when it came I, out in in early nineteen ninety? I found it in my my, my box, and it's it was in a uh, appears I bought it second half for twenty five pence, but it must have been quite soon after. But um, it's been in my collection for you know twenty five years, so I don't know exactly when I bought it. But I did buy it around that time. But nice. Um, it's yeah, it's uh, it's in quite good condition. So there you go. 
Oh, fantastic! Yeah, it's cool to I I love when we're reading these ones and and the and the uh, and and the guest has one that's from the era and stuff. I think that's so cool. Like just yeah. bringing out these old comics and stuff. I've I've had to slow down a little bit on my buying of physical copies, which is a bummer. But it's very um, you know just just bringing out these collections is real cool, man. <laughs> I, I like it a lot. Awesome. Um, yeah. So I'm yeah. yeah the, the, Okay. Let's say the field, the uh, especially the progs at this time, the, the, uh, they feel they're really big and really nice and good quality. I mean, they just feel like, like a nice era of they got it just right. The sort of the physical, you know, yeah, in this them, in, in this early days of color comics here, I yeah. think we've just we, we in our in our timeline we've just gotten to the point where things have gone full color, and so mm-hmm. it's a big, um, you know, it's a, it's a big change for for two thousand AD, I think, and something that we're really. Looking forward to as we as we move through ninety one and into the future for sure. Awesome, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. So just uh, before we get going here, I should say um, as we're starting, we've just finished Prog seven twenty seven in our Prog timeline. So uh, Bix Barton is fighting the Carry On League. Dreads headed to the Emerald Isle. Um, Junker is is cruising to its conclusion. Nemesis and Deadlock are fighting a mysterious like murder mystery demon. Robo Hunter's just come back and he's after a cyborg cop. And uh, Dao Demoto is uh, headed to Venus. Basically, just a lot of crazy stuff. That was just two two pages. Yeah, it's um in our recording we're just getting towards the end of it now and it's a it's a it's an impossible space to tell a story in to be honest yeah. like just to do the standard british comic move of like recap advance the plot cliffhanger there's barely enough yeah. room for anything in there you know it's a it's yeah it's like an origami uh, thrill or something like that it's, <laughs> it's, it's folded into a very tight space yeah. All right, so talking about the special itself, um, the cover's got a very evil genius-looking Tharg, I think. He's on this throne with, like, fanged skulls and stuff on the side. He's getting a back massage from, like, an orangutan monster. And then he's surrounded by a rhino man and maybe, like, like a Clegg or some sort of other other gatorman. Yeah. Um, I think it's a plague, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel like anytime there's a bipedial alligator, it's at least partial. It's at least you know on the road to being a clegg. I think um, <laughs> there's also um, a bunch of like little tiny aliens and um, at, and a stucky as well in um, and an angry turtle. Yes, yes. I but, think the turtle is based on a on the on the creature comforts uh, shorts. You know, the, oh, I. I, like yeah, I, I remember those. Oh man, like the yeah. uh, the the claymation ones, sort of pre Wallace yeah, yeah. and Gromit. Yeah, it's like an evil version of one of those. <laughs> I can see it, <laughs> absolutely. And I love just the uh, the random Stooky being in there, just sort of you know, yeah. Judge Dread approved, <laughs> a great <laughs> thing. But yeah, this is uh, also Tharg has a partially eaten uh, polystyrene cup yeah. and an and a green uh, evil genius cat as well, just sort of doing all this stuff. Yeah, it's a good cover. <laughs> yeah, this one it's by uh, Dermot Power, pretty solid. He's just mm-hmm. he's starting to he's done a lot of covers, and we'll, we'll start doing some stuff in uh, in 2008 this year as well. Um, the inside cover. There's a very red image of Dread who seems to be like wading elbow deep, maybe in some kind of red liquid. 
Yeah, that's. I thought that might be a like a, an homage to something, a famous painting, but I couldn't work out what it was. It's, it's a bit odd, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 Random. it's a weirdly messy, and it's signed with this with this the legalese for the special is covering the signature, the signature, <laughs> which is rude to be frank. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, yeah, that's a stuff I suppose. But yeah, but yeah, but all of that, you know, fun opening stuff and takes us right into Thrill One, Judge Dread. <laughs> uh, script robot Andy Lanning and Steve White, art robot Dermot Power, learning robot Dozy. All right. It's the the opening of this like like triggered my nerd alert, frankly, because it says yeah. Mega City yeah. One is home to a hundred million people, a hundred million p- potential perps, and I'm like, excuse me, it's far more than a hundred million yeah. people in Mega City One. That's <laughs> a basic error, that isn't it? <laughs> like you know, we're gonna. I, I think la- like later in the year, Dread gives a presentation to some to some school children and says that there's 350 million people, and that's like post necropolis yeah. like after a whole bunch of people have died you know so anyway even modern day there's even modern day there's more than that isn't there even after yeah. things happened yeah that's yeah. i mean it's Swap. something Swap. something i will be looking forward to in the way future because they always get in modern progs they give the population of mega city one in like the re in like the the recap in the nerve center of, of judge dread every month or every week, I should say, and it's mm. like slow. It slowly creeps up as the months go by, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, but now to this city with at least a hundred million potential criminals, um, four new champions arrive from the sewers. It's the Juve mutated Kung Fu Clegs. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the Cleggs, of course, as we mentioned before, uh, from the cover, these gator dudes that we saw extensively in Judge Cal and have sort of seen around at the time. If these guys have various weapons um, and uh, different colored loincloths and they got the name and they got uh, French impressionist names or whatever. Uh, Latrec, Degas, Monet and Manet. Pretty solid here. Yeah, very obvious time these, uh, these parries, aren't they? Absolutely. Oh, man. It's vi- like... <laughs> I'm trying to think back to like I wonder if this is even like a little a little dated at this point almost because I feel like there was these these like mud wrestling elsters that was also a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles parody that might oh, be yeah, like that's right like ninety or eighty nine or something like that like it's just <laughs> yeah I think yeah, the comics are around a lot longer the film that's was true pressure but um, yeah. It's- yeah, I, I believe we are in the era of the of the Ninja Turtle movies and stuff. I believe those are in ni- the the second ones in ninety one with Vanilla Ice and stuff. Very um, very ridiculous. I love it. All right, you know, it's, <laughs> this is one of these things where I think there's so many two thousand AD things where um uh culture it's a cultural reference I'm clueless about that when it's one that I really know I'm like yes yeah. all right this is good <laughs> you know. It's American one, yes. All right, yeah, come on. <laughs> Enjoy our cultural hegemony. It's it's fun. Uh, <laughs> so, race from babies. A um, it seems like an insane sewer guy uh, found some Clegg babies and raised them, taught them the martial arts, and was only able to tame them with the sounds of a Jack in the Box, which I'm assuming is like Pop Goes the Weasel or something like that. That's not a, a, a Ninja Turtles reference, is it? That's, uh, is this 
Is that its own thing? Isn't it? I think that's its own thing, or yeah, like yeah. just sort of, you know, this might be one where they do kind of have a have a punchline. They're working backwards from it a little bit, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so in the end, this dude trains these um, clegs to fight perps and respect the judges theoretically, but more just sort of again martial arts, perp eating, things like that. <laughs> Which leads to the time they're finally ready to go out on the streets, but when they do, it just happens to coincide with the music box breaking and thus not being able to <laughs> save their teacher from their ravenous jaws. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I, I noticed when, he, when they're graduating, how is he pinning them on? Yeah, he gives them into flesh. <laughs> yeah, badges like judges have, but it is pr- pretty clearly like either pinned or glued just straight to their bare chests and stuff to their <laughs> their lizardy six packs you know or eight packs i guess now that i'm looking now that i'm counting yeah. them but yeah no i well you know maybe they just got the tough tough gator hide maybe <laughs> but it could also be this is why they eat why they eat them you know you know it's sort of a, it, it goes both ways a little bit um it's animal cruelty, isn't it, really? yeah come on um <laughs> But so now the the jubes are the the mutated kung fu clegs are on the on the streets, and immediately as you do when you're uh, uh, involved in vigilantism, you come upon a lady being mugged, and they chomp the heck out of these muggers. Good times. And as the woman they've saved thanks them, ah, you know they get a little overzealous and uh, chomp her too. You know, so it's it's just how it goes. It's the it's the Clegg equivalent of when Dredd arrests both the uh, both the mugger and the victim, you know that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. They're they're offensive. Yeah, but you know, toothier, so it's 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 a little different. But fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> reports of a disur- of a disturbance is called into Dredd, who arrives to find the Jubes in mid chomp. He bike he bike cannon he bike cannons two of them, and um, but the remaining two sort of tackle him. And are about to eat him from both the head and the foot size, presumably leading up to one of those Lady in the Tramp moments when he, <laughs> <laughs> when suddenly the tinkle, tinkle, tinkle of an ice cream truck comes by and they are mesmerized. That was good timing. Absolutely. Yeah, good thing this late night ice cream head is, uh, is wandering the city. <laughs> Dread commandeers the vehicle and uses it to lead the Clegs across town to the uh, Mega City Zoo. Really great image of Dread riding this tiny, like ice cream shaped vehicle and stuff. Um, I got a, at one point when he's on when he's got his thought bubble and he's going, "Ha, that doesn't really." That's not the way, does it? He didn't sort of have that sort of little glow, does he? That's not really dreadish, is it? It's true. Yeah. Not Dread rarely reflects on the absurdity of his situation, I think. Yeah. Like, I would actually um, say he doesn't have a ton of internal monologue generally. Like, it's rare to see a Dread thought yeah. bubble, to be honest. Yeah. Especially by this point, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, we're just saying it to sort of verify that, that it's only going five miles an hour. So it's a very slow, very slow journey going on here. Yeah. <laughs> but Dredd goes to the zoo, tosses the Clegs into a cage, and it seems that under the sentient life-formed acts uh, of uh, 2096, there's a subsection that now lists Clegs as a protected species. So, you know, they just toss them in a cage, and they can get all the meat and music they guess. 
they 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 want because I guess it's true what they say. It doth it doth charm the savage beast. Yeah. Woo. That's, I looked that quote up because I, I was you know I think that must be Shakespeare, but it's not, and it's also a misquote apparently. It's not quite right, but you know it's a common misquote, so it's fair enough. Everyone does it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. the future. You got to cut Dredd some slack, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, silly one. Just sort of, you know, again, I like just the uh, the Ninja Turtles stuff. And it's always fun to see Clegg's back around as well. And yeah. just like the ridiculousness of Dredd in the ice cream truck is pretty pretty solid. Yeah, that's definitely the one I I remember the most rereading. It was because of the artwork, I guess. And the yeah, definitely. I love, yeah. Out. Dermot Power's got a really realistic style, and I think it really um, like the, so the fact that he's he's really going with these alligator men or, or, or crocodile mm-hmm. men or whatever um, really it it gives him it some extra weight because yeah. he does draw them a little realistically, which makes him pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, absolutely. And that takes us to Thrill Two Tharg's Galactic Greetings. Just a little one pager here, editorial. By Tharg, it's got art by Eric Bradbury, as the Mighty One explains the conceit of the sci-fi special this year. Yeah. <laughs> it seems... It's, la- um, what's, yeah. it's not... It's, um, sorry, it's... Uh, it's uh, not Bradbury, it's the other guy. It's... Um, Brett, you're into it? Oh, it, oh it, I can't... It, On this page. It, it could be. It's hard to tell because Bradbury draws... Can draw Tharg in very Ewan style, I think. Uh, like, oh, really? Okay. Like, when he comes back in the early 90s, he very much draws... Like or or can draw Tharg in a style that's very influenced by Ewan's version, but I for, it, you're right. I forget if it's who specifically did this one. Ah, oh, geez, feeling dumb now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so last year the the special theme was horror. In the winter, it was humor, and this time it's just straight up monsters. He then gives a rundown of all the different stories in the special and how they relate to monsters. Thank you very much. They, I'm, I assure you they do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like we can grade according to how, how close these different stories fit the brief for sure. Um, <laughs> and you know, yeah. So just general, general scene setting. It's inter- like in the winter special, they did this through the medium of a Tharg story, but I guess they were just instead did, decided to uh, have that be a different kind of Tharg story this time. You know, it feels a page, doesn't it? It gets <laughs> That's you know, sometimes the me- the mission for these specials is just fill the page by any means necessary. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right, so let's continue on i guess yeah just you know w- let's get into this monster issue with w- at least yeah. one monster with thrill three robo hunter a uh, script robot mark miller art robot simon jacob letting robot annie parkhouse uh, yeah so we got the rebooted sam slade here with mark miller we're in the middle of his first adventure back with art by casanovas in the prog yeah quite different now here. yeah and this one's us 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 simon jacob of um of uh, Armored Gideon fame and others. Um, and apparently after 18 months, the dolls stopped crying and got to work. Whoa. Um, we see a strange room full of creepy robot dolls as they grab a desiccated corpse in Union Jack underwear inside. 
It seems that they have dug up a criminal known as the Puppet Master, who was given the uh, the death penalty, and they're getting to work sewing and working on his body and going crazy on him. And eventually, it seems they're able to cyborg up his body enough to bring him back to life. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> and he's and he's returned to life with one goal for him and his puppet minions, and that's to kill Sam Slade, Robo Hunter. Whoa. Very spooky. He's got nice teeth, doesn't he? Definitely. They're they're a little <laughs> they're they're a little weirdly off center, I think, if you kind of like match up to where his nose is. But yeah, definitely. They kept kept his chompers going while he was in 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 the cemetery or something. Um, meanwhile, Sam Slade himself is at a department store looking at guns for his nephew's birthday when suddenly a truck plows through the glass storefront of the uh, department store he's in and just starts breaking everything and things like that. Um, a giant robot with zombie-like human parts mixed in uh, starts wandering around, like looking for, like calling out Sam Slade, basically. It's braca bracking and patooming, patooming everything in sight. Oh, it's real tough. Um, and though Sam doesn't hear this, he is enough of a dang hero to come rushing out to help with his raw heroism, taking the gun he was looking at and not paying for it, for the record. Uh, <laughs> the two eventually clash together in the department store somewhere between the lingerie department and the toy department. Um, there is a pretty interesting like section where we kind of we seem to be seeing things in first person perspective through this zombie cyborg eyes as it like it's like rushing through walls and then sort of grabs sam and tackles him basically oh yeah i didn't actually pick up on that that's quite yeah that's quite cool yeah you kind of see the walls like 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 the the peripheral vision of the like the the peripheries of the uh of the panels have like these walls, like like breaking up around it and stuff. I think it's kind yeah. of a cool look. It, it reminds me of like someone like I don't know, like like Sam Raimi and like Evil Dead or something. We get that sort of rushing first person perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, enough of that. Um, <laughs> they go, they both go like uh, the, the 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 cyborg puppet master uh, tackles Sam. The two of them go flying out the side of a window. They hurtle down to the street and Sam recognizes this monster as the puppet master. You killed me, but I got better. <laughs> These Monty Python references. Exactly. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. You know, he feels happy. Let's go for a walk. Um, <laughs> it seems Sam did help capture the puppet master, but no one ever found all of his robot toys. So I guess here we are. Um, the two of them fight sort of off the side of the road and onto some railroad tracks and thus um sam manages to distract the bot until the 620 train comes through and smashes the uh puppet master to bits all right it's mostly destroyed but sam finishes off with a flamethrower from that gun he stole you know good times again like i like i i love the art on this um robot it's got all these like sort of like zombie or corpse part sort of in the middle like exposed in the middle of it and stuff i think it's it's a pretty fun design yeah it's very distinctive style it's kind of the armored gideon artist he's very sort of um very sort of i don't know curvy or something very it's very yeah yeah definitely yeah he's very much he's not just a robot he's definitely sort of a robot human or or dead or a Mm -hmm. corpse hybrid here i guess 
Um, Sam, yeah, he finishes off with a flamethrower. Oh, but now the gun's all scratched up and broken. How can he give it as a gift to his nephew? It's pre-used, you know. So, the solution's easy. He snags one of the uh, Puppet Master's killer dolls that's sort of capering around. You know, toss some wrapping paper on it. That kid won't suspect a thing. And I always hated him anyway. Whoa! (laughs) Nice. Yeah, nice. You know, very, um... This feels like... This story feels like very, um... It's it's got the same the same situation as all the rebooted Robo Hunters, where it's clear they're trying for a mix of action and humor, but they're definitely going heavier on the action for sure. Like it's yeah. like a, it's like a seventy five twenty five of 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 w- with with action on the lion's share. I think. Yeah, I, I agree. It's not. It's a bit more. Yeah, a bit more serious. Yeah, a bit more serious than the old, the old stuff. Yeah, or at least just I guess more focused on having a gunfight and sort of. Yeah. Like rushing through traffic to beat this to beat this guy up, as opposed to I guess classic Robo Hunter, which is much more about S- Sam being kind of rueful and making observations. I guess. Yeah. And on the topic of um ridiculous ultraviolence, let's talk <laughs> about Thrill Four Tyranny Rex. Text story. Oh man, yeah. Script robot John Smith, art robot Mark Buckingham, and. Uh, I guess there's no letter robots. It's sort of typed. Yeah, text story time. We're get the, we're in this era of these giant John Smith text stories in in everything and specials and annuals and yearbooks, all this stuff. You you can assure yourself of like a ten page um, surreal body horror story from John Smith and all these all these comics. Um, I. I- I definitely never read this at the time. I always skipped them, even at you know at that age. I, it's like, so it's the first time I've read it this time. You know, I thought. I'd do I mean, homework. that's that's good to hear again. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, 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 I'm sure you know. In the early days, me and Fox were very self conscious about not about no. not having to slog through yeah. these stories. Um, Called it. That was a natural reaction. It's just what, why are they here? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. This story is called um, "Touched by the Hand of Brendan," and it's got some pr- actually pretty excellent all illustrations by Mark Buckingham, who yeah. I know best from his work on Miracle Man, sort of the later period of Miracle Man, and uh, and Fables as well, where he sort of I, I feel like he does every other Fables story basically. Um, he'll eventually do some work with Tyranny Rex in the Prague in 1993. But for now, we're just sort of doing some – I think he does do a good job of sort of um, bringing to life some of the crazier images that we get yeah. in the course of this story. It's quite varied sort of the pictures he's done. It's quite, it's quite a good sort of blend. Absolutely. Yeah. So we open on a guy named Jerry being attacked by an assassin from the Low Hive um, known as the uh, – um, a, a a bounty hunter with a horse with a horse skull and an eye patch and straight razors for fingers called the Moist Spinster. It's very terrifying. He goes to run, um, and then we cut to Tyranny Rex, who um, gives us the backstory. Basically, there's apparently an artifact called the Shroud of Brendan, technically known as the Aronic. Thole and the Mandleon <laughs> of the Ninth Spasm. Um, anyway, yeah, listen, I went over it once or twice. I was like, all right, there's a, there's a K in there, so I'm clicking. That's just how it goes. Um, but it's being held by someone named Mason Gorister, who's a writer-come-black magician who lives at the edge of conceptual reality in 
Um, and the only person with a lead on where he is, where his house is, called the Shy Building, is another guy, a, do- a, a surgeon turned reporter called Jerry Lavash, who I guess we just met, so we're back where we started. And so Tyranny's after Jerry as well. Um, though, honestly, quickly, it seems like Tyranny finds him. The two of them team up against these... Because Jerry's being pursued by these, like, a bounty hunters or assassins from something called the Low Hive that are... That take ex- increasingly surreal and disturbing forms, and they've all got like silly names and things like that. So a lot of him, like like Jerry, like um, being in trouble and shouting out, um, like just these various nonsense groups yeah. tra- trying trying to take him out. Like it's the Liquid Swimmers or something <laughs> like that, you know? Yeah, the, uh, the clock headed. I forget the ones with clock faces or something. drum drum faces, aren't they? The drum, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The something drummers or something like that. I yeah, think. Yeah, hum drummers. That's hum exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of this stuff. Um, <laughs> um, the 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 story sort of uh, shifts point of view between Jerry and Tyranny, and eventually, after fighting some baddies, they go to find Ralim Cam, the shaman of the surreal. Um, and finally, they reach him after a Titanic uh, fight on a double decker bus. Um, they catch up with him, but before he can tell them the secret of the shy building, the story is to be continued later in the special. Oh no. It's not over yet. <laughs> Listen, like we got, you know, John Smith again, always over providing. So yeah. we got to sort of, you know, we, 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 we can spread this out. Plus, you know, listen, <laughs> we got to fill these pages. There's 70 pages, you know, we can't, <laughs> can't, can't rest on our laurels here or 68 maybe. But anyway. Um, that takes us to Thrill Five, Thug the Mighty, in um Night of the Living Thrill Sucker, script robot the Mighty One, art robot Eric Bradbury, letting robot Tom Frame. I'm sort of assuming at this point it's Alan McKenzie writing the Tharg stories, but I I I, yeah, I, yeah, I, guess. I could be wrong, but he's a sub editor, so that's sort of you know they tend to write the Tharg stories. Um, yeah, I, I meet my immediate, my immediate thought was it was a, a reprint because it's uh, these. These often were, but this wasn't, was it? No, this one's definitely new because yeah. we, we, you know, it's because you're right. It is sort of Eric Bradbury did do the classic Tharg stories, but as we come in this one, you know, we were in the command module, not King's Reach Tower, exactly. and we see Bert like cleaning the floor alongside Igroid, who is the uh, the the Igor Goldkind bot who does who uh, like sort of does most of the nerve specials or the uh, nerve centers these days. Like Tharg has an editorial. And then he kind of does all the plugs for what's on the on the comic shelves and stuff like that. So yeah, this one's definitely new. Um, yeah. And these bots are cleaning up in advance of a visit from famed movie mogul Emmerich Cronenberger IV, who I sort of assume is a mashup of David Cronenberg and Roland Emmerich. But I don't know if Roland Emmerich had actually done that much these days. So it could just yeah, be sort of a, a rich guy name or something like that. Generic guy with a megaphone, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when he arrives, he very much has kind of a this like bearded baseball cap look of maybe a Steven Spielberg or Francis Ford Coppola or something like that, along with again classic Hollywood stuff of the of the megaphone or whatever. Because like even Dr. and Quinch, when they're setting setting up Hollywood six years ago, they got that megaphone. That's very important. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's shooting his next movie, which is called Gargantus Meets the Man with Nine Heads, here in the Nerve Center. And so we've got some auditions for folks to play various roles within the um, within the film. After we see all the uh, creative droids sort of 
looking at um, the director with these like really funny faces. Just like, whoa, we're totally starstruck. And so I'm just like, get back to work, you jerks. Um, pretty solid here. Yeah. You got one that's a post one now, I guess. And he's, I guess. Yeah, that might be like like one of the male droids or something. Yeah, like so that. It's, it's quite nice. Like some, you know, yeah, little cameo, isn't it? Well, yeah. The writer. I don't see, I think in this Starstuck one, I don't see a ton of cameos, but I believe there are some uh, later on in the in the story. Um, so, uh, Mechquake goes to volunteer or, or to audition for a, uh, a monster role, but suddenly a giant ape, Mytek the Mighty, also appears. And the two of them prepare to fight, but suddenly a larger creature, they're both dwarfed by the giant trunk of a massive thrill sucker oh no these goddamn thrill suckers every time that's the biggest one yeah i think definitely yeah i feel this one's towering over the city but how could it have come here and that's when cronenberger removes his mask and shows himself to be one of the dictators of zreg oh no (laughs) meme stiff one of the dictators uh, that was a twist in a dark tale, wasn't it? I mean, you know, it's hard, <laughs> like like they haven't actually shown up all that much. So I guess it was a little a little dark surprising, taste. but no, very much like yeah. Well, who else is, is it going to be? You know, um, um, all seems lost, of course, as the creative droids all hide under a table and stuff. Um, but then Tharg taps the thrill sucker on the back, revealing that he has, in fact, grown to twice its size. Oh, jeez. So, Tharg then, of course, yeets the thrill sucker into space and dispatches the dictator of Zrag to either some sort of terrible job for Tharg or just a straight-up Rajelian hotshot. And he does it so quickly that there's not enough time to cancel the auditions. And so a door a door in the sky opens and Armored Gideon shows up to audition as well. But it's too late. Or sorry, it's too <laughs> annihilate. Yay. Good <laughs> <laughs> I get to see the artwork back in Eric Bradbury. It's really, you know, it's just so old school. I love it. I really like it. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, it's very much just where he left off from these classic from his classic stories and stuff i love how you know even though i think a lot of this story is sort of a smoother like smoother lines and stuff when that dictator of zrag shows up it's full-on bradbury like he's he's drooling and there's like all these he's got all these pockmarks and stuff on his face and stuff like that very very extreme bradbury there and you know and as he's doing stuff in in that section very fun i love yeah he he draws a good Tharg and a good, um, a good Mighty One story, for sure. Um, and that takes us to Thrill Six, Robo Hunter, which is, you know, just sort of Mike Butcher coming in here to fill some space with a deep dive into a 2080 subject, yeah. basically. Not it, many monsters, is it? <laughs> no, this is just kind of like, oh, we gotta, like, I, 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 I think it's reasonable a little bit just because the last, Robo Hunter story was like six years. What was in like 1985, I guess. And so there are probably a lot of newer readers. I mean, like yourself, honestly, who might be yeah. reading this new Mark Miller. Um, yeah. Robo Hunter story wouldn't be very aware of the previous of his previous adventures. So yeah. it's okay. I mean, it is it is filler. Can't stress that enough. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, just sort of. 
Butcher writing recaps of the um, various ro- of the ten Robo Hunter stories, interspersed with some excellent Ian Gibson images and stuff. Very oh, yeah. heavy. I think they got every instance of a space babe from this series <laughs> in here, as well as sort of just the fun uh, robots and stuff like that. You know, they got the Robo Thatcher and some of the Robo celebrities from the World Cup series and and yeah, stuff like that. Nice stuff. Yeah, you know, it takes me back for sure to these early days of of Robo Hunter and stuff. Fun times. Yeah. Um, page after that, there's an ad for the Judge Dredd Mega Special, which we'll be discussing later this week. Real scary face of Judge Death here, and there's apparent. It's apparently no place for the squeamish. <laughs> and I guess I'll mention I'll mention this at the time, but it looks like they're charging twenty five pence more for the Judge Dredd for the for the Dread Special, which seems about right, you know. I think yeah, I think it's, I think I've got it. It's just almost the same size as this thing, so it's a bit of a. Oh yeah, no, they're just selling the brand for sure. Yeah. Like that's just how they, you know, it's it's like how how the winter special is going to be like twice as much as both of these, just because it's sold around the same time as the annuals, which are more expensive. Also, you know, it's sort of I got I got this pricing conspiracy for specials that I feel pretty confident about. To be honest, <laughs> oh yeah, when the judge read, I suppose they uh, assume slightly older readers they got twenty five pence twenty five pence more disposable income, you know. Yeah, and I think also I feel like there's just people might just see the Judge Red brand name or something like that might be even now a little bit more well like popular than just 2000 AD or something constant That's problem true. I think. Um, but I guess it, it, it's funny you were saying that um, at first you thought the Thug the Mighty story was a reprint mm. because it's right before the actual reprint yes. in this special <laughs> uh, Thrill Seven Judge Dread. <laughs> uh, script robot John Wagner's TV Grover, art robot Jose Casanovas, lettering robot Tom Frame. Yeah, this is reprint from another special. Yeah, it? yeah, it's the greatest really? sin, frankly, uh, putting a special content in another special. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, by this time, you're thinking people are, are sticking with the comic and growing, growing with it. They might remember this stuff more than the early reprints. They're thinking there's a limit to how much I can reprint after a while because. Yeah, the younger readers are dropping off, aren't they? The older readers are going with it. So. Yeah, I I'm interested to see how how they balance that stuff for sure as as we're going forward. I mean, this is from a long time ago because we're in '91 yeah. right now, and this is from the '82 special, so nine years ago. Um, and I think they might even just be bringing it in just because um, since Jose Casanovas is drawing the current new uh, Robo Hunter story, it feels like there's a rep- oh, yeah, like. Yeah. It's sort of there's some connection to the previous Robo Hunter piece and something yeah. like that. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I'm just like I. It's funny to read like like try to imagine myself as like a sub editor trying to find connections to things. You know, like how later we'll go from uh, a John Smith Tyranny Rex story to a John Smith Rogue Trooper story or something like that. I guess you know. I don't know. A little bit of stream of consciousness. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> but so. We, we, we start this story, uh, Casanovas has mostly drawn Max Normal for these specials, so it's fun to see him draw Dread. Um, and of course, he's got this art style that's very detailed and shaded in, a lot of ink washes and things like that. Um, and so it gets extremely dark as we go on here. But anyway. Yeah, is it, you think it's being from colors originally? I don't think colors? so. I think it's just black and white. I, th- I don't know. It's hard to tell, I guess, because yeah. you, you're right. When there's a lot of gray like this, it does you like that's a that that is a sign to me that things started out in color and got black and white. It wasn't in color in the original special, but I don't know if okay. that means that much. But um, I don't know. It's a good question for sure, or a good I don't know. It's hard to tell. 
Um, but so we're in the aftermath of the Apocalypse War, which makes sense for an 82 uh, special. Um, they sort of... Um, and oh, they, yeah, and, so and, I think it's something else, isn't it? It's not the Apocalypse War, is it? It's something else. It's, um... Yeah, because they talk specifically about... Um, like, like while we're talking about the Apocalypse War, this one is actually a reference to the destruction of Sector 43, mm. which was caused by uh, the Pirates of the Black Atlantic that fired yes, a, yes. A, a nuke at the city in um, in Prague 198. I believe they destroyed the Charles Oppenheimer block, which had just been rebuilt before it was the first casual – it was the first city block destroyed in the course of the Apocalypse yeah. War, you know. Um, but so – there's a call out to the city for people to contribute ideas, inventions, and practical aid for rebuilt for rebuilding, and this basically causes to sets up an episode of um, Mega City One, like Shark Tank or Dragon's Den or whatever you want to call it. Basically, yeah. <laughs> let's have your inventions. Oh, I'll invest in that. All right, fine. <laughs> well, how many? How many did they get? What else could they do? I mean, I gotta. I gotta think there's a bunch, you know, because it's just a bunch of real weirdos and stuff. Sure, that's true. We see a guy walking away with like some, yeah, with a triple decker construction droid that uh, just sort of blew up during when he was trying to showcase it and stuff like that. So to this desk comes Orville, Orville, or Orvin Babble, I should say, a nerd who has created a special munst glue that's cheap to make and a great bonding agent. But instead of tossing millions for the recipe, the civil servant in charge just says the glue must undergo a testing process to make sure it works right. Oh, they got to vet this glue. Yeah. Um, the vaccine in yeah, exactly. But listen, uh, or- Orvin, like so many government leaders, is not interested in proper procedures and said wants to fast track this glue, given it Project Warp Speed or, or whatever. And in a re- and this causes him to go future crazy. And so he just grabs a bunch of glue, spreads it on the bald head of this bureaucrat, and then just kind of lifts him up by his shoulders and sticks him to the ceiling, which is pretty excellent, to be honest. <laughs> Um, later, the civil servant with a hunk of ceiling still attached to his head, um, relates the story to Dredd, who then finds him for damaging civic property, as you do. (laughs) It really reminds me, I don't know if if, if you guys had these over there, but we, um, in in the States we had ads for, uh, for crazy glue, like, you know, um, for, for super glue or whatever. Um, and it featured a, um, uh, a construction worker in a hard hat, like gluing his hard hat to the top of a steel beam and then just sort of oh. hanging there by his hat and stuff. Kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, we had one when I stuck a man on a, on a windmill and he went around on the windmill. That's excellent. Sort of <laughs> <laughs> he, he liked to die. <laughs> ah, well, I mean, you know, everybody does, I guess. Um, <laughs> that night, Babel heads to the Harry Hames Reclaim Project, knocks the guard out on duty and programs the construction bots to start working at double speed using only his month's glue as a bonding agent. The robots quickly get to work, and they throw up a giant tower of letters spelling out Babel's glue, G-L-O-O, of course, um, as they go. Um, on the roof of the building, Dredd responds. He takes down construction uh, droids as he works his way up the tower. I guess this is technically dieharding his way up, because he is working on a building that's under construction and stuff, yeah. stuff like that. Um <laughs> They shoot the construction droids. Shoot him with rivet guns, but it takes more than that to nail a judge. 
<laughs> um, Dread hits several droids with the glue itself. It almost gets to Babel, but then a crane droid knocks him off his bike and he plummets to the city oh, this, below. This is amazing, this bit. Let them out of time. Definitely, yeah. Dread's just falling through the city. He calls in an X-Wagon. He shoots several, like, people taking pot shots at folks um, as he goes. Like, he's just arresting people and things like that. It's pretty excellent. Um, <laughs> definitely. Oh, man. Yeah, just like, yeah, that. <laughs> it's like Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey or something where he's just falling for, like, five minutes. So he can sort of ha- has time to relax as he goes, you know. Um but so it's probably better Dread fell, though, because Babel sees that the construction bots are starting to free themselves from the glue. It's not quite as b- good as he thought it was. And the whole tower collapses as Dread hops aboard the H-Wagon. Tons of people are crushed and killed, including Babel. I guess he was due for a sticky end. They're mixing them around for sure. After this story, there's an ad for the Judge Dread magazine, and then we jump right back into Thrill Eight Tyranny Rex Part Two. <laughs> Just continuing on here, we, we, we this a little quick. Uh, Tyranny and yeah. Jerry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Absolutely, yeah. Tyranny and Jerry get the location of the shy building from the shaman quite easily. And when they go inside, it's just across the street, it seems. Um, It's full of strange and surreal imagery. There's a cellar full of dead swans and bloody gingerbread, rooms full of bird cages and sundials, broken mirrors, giant rooms with carry-on films flickering on the walls. All this kind of John Smith stuff, to be honest. (laughs) Eventually, they find their target, Gorister, and uh, the Shroud of Brendan... But they to get it to to claim the shroud, they must fight a creature called the Hesed, and it becomes a very Ghostbuster esque thing where they must choose their weapons for their fight. Uh, Tyranny chooses a gun, the Heinlicker Nine Thousand, and tries to fight the uh, monster conventionally, but does is no good. She gets taken out. So instead, Jerry fights with. Fights the beast with the weapon of mental arithmetic. It's a math battle. <laughs> Definitely. Um, the monster is simply not that good at math. And so he's soon defeated. Jerry gets the shroud. He uses it to heal tyranny. And then heads off to do like crazy shroud stuff, I guess. Does she, does she actually help? No, it doesn't. See, it seems like she gets taken out. And then she's kind of unconscious for the rest of the story, it seems like. Yeah, she doesn't really help him in the story that comes along well i i guess she protects him from the uh oh, the initial one yeah yeah from some of those hive guys that are coming after yeah. her and stuff very, very strange but i've got to say i did find um in some ways a text story by him is almost easier to understand than some of the uh the comic stories in the main <laughs> sometimes there's so much going on in the comic you've got to work it out and when he describes it it's, in some ways it's almost easier i think you're right yeah, yeah it does it does require him to explain some things as opposed to just kind of trying to let the art do the work, I guess. Yeah. I'm always always a bit, you know, a bit of a thick some of these stories. Like, you know, sometimes there's so much going on, but yeah, it's it's definitely a bit, you know, text or, you know, it's a... Yeah. I definitely think you're right. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that. I know Fox and I have talked about that in the course of the show where, like, sometimes these stories can be a bit opaque, and and being required to give some explanations is is helpful for sure. <laughs> cool. 
So maybe things a little bit more explained or maybe just a little bit more mysterious. Or no, yeah, sorry. Keeping up with John Smith doing monstrous yeah. things. Let's talk about Thrill Nine Rogue Trooper. <laughs> uh, script robot John Smith, art robot Simon Colby and Hitch, letter robot Alita Fell. So John Smith is back on Rogue after he oh. wrote the uh, the famous Cinnabar story, and now he's doing some uh, some Friday work here. It's a very bizarre person, sort of to bring in uh, at the right of one. It's just about all the people that pick, pick John Smith. It's very, it's very after Michael Fleischer. It's very strange to pick someone completely different, isn't it? There's like the the <laughs> people who have written who have written Friday very wildly because I think you know we've had. Um, uh, uh, Gib, b- b- both Dave Gibbons and Michael Fleischer write in the Prague. I think there was a Garth Ennis one in. Um, oh yeah, that's right. In uh, this Rogue Trooper special, I believe. Like, like, yeah. like there was one Friday story not by Michael Fleischer in. Um, or no, sorry, it was a Steve Dillon art. That's right. I think that this the the Rogue Annual was mostly Fleischer. Um, but yeah, listen, a lot of variants here, and it's weird to see Smith come back, yeah, for this character that now is so Michael Fleischer-based, but, you know, maybe they signed him on for one special and he wouldn't do any others or something. I guess, I, I guess we'll see. Um, <laughs> a woman named Yoshiro is trapped, has been trapped in a hover sled for two days as these weird, uh, mechanical wolves sort of pace around outside the uh, windshield of the craft. She hopes for a miracle, and then suddenly there's an explosion and a bloody handprint on the window of the sled. It's Friday! <laughs> he gives her some food and supplements. She explains she's with the Jaeger Reserves here looking for her family to save them. I'm not sure how this relates to later Rogue Trooper story Jaeger. Um, I don't know. It, it's it might just be a similar warrior term, so it's just sort of showing up. It's spelled differently, so I guess we'll see. Right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but uh, Friday's skeptical about her story, but her family is still at a nearby um, um, enclave that he's heading to as well, so he agrees to travel with her. As they go, it seems. Oh, sorry, I should say he like uh, gives her some like water and supplements and food and stuff like that as well. Um, so as they approach this enclave, we learn that it's a la- it's a uh, it's a vivisection laboratory, which is which is pretty crazy, carrying out experiments on all kinds of things. And her father was in charge of one of the med squads, and she's here to get him out. And honestly, it seems like your father might not be a good guy, but you know, <laughs> I can't. I guess I can't blame you. You know, um, they travel through sort of a a big bunch of like mechanical wreckage friday killing the occasional robo dog as she talks it really it, it kind of reminds me actually of the uh of the fire swamp scene in the princess bride if you remember that where they're sort of having an expositionary conversation as like fire bursts up around them and rodents of unusual size threaten things like that <laughs> but so ten eventually they arrive at the enclave and while the shields and lights are still on the whole place seems deserted. They don't see anybody until a mass of seeming like sleepwalkers or something sort of slowly makes their way towards them. Among them is Yoshiro's father, but he doesn't seem to recognize her or break from his trance. He's just sort of mumbling something about mummy having gone away and stuff. And as she, 
Yeah, okay. Very, very classic, creepy stuff. Yeah, yeah, classic horror trope, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it's the uh, it's that Doctor Who gas mask kid all very, over yeah, again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Yashiro goes to like touch her father, but when she does, she too seems to fall into this trance that everybody's in. And when Friday checks on her, he does the same. Oh no! And we get some very John Smith uh, captions, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm like Bray, it's a very him all over, isn't it? Yeah, blind fingers in my head, <laughs> skipping, stumbling, reading my mind like Braille. But then he comes to and finds himself on a beach. Hanging out with his resurrected GI buddies that are alive again. Uh, they're not blue, though. I really, I can't tell. He doesn't mention it, so I can't tell if this is just like a a, a coloring error or um, if they're supposed to just be human colored here. But yeah, that is a bummer because he doesn't. He doesn't. It, it's not like him noticing that they aren't blue, like snaps him out of the trance or anything like that. You know, because I feel like that would be a good. A good move if you yeah. were telling that story. If, if, if that was a point you were going to make, yeah, it's a bit confusing. If you read, if, you, if, you, if it's your first rogue story, you think why? Why is he blue? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but so he sort of relaxed in the sun, but then things go bad, and suddenly he finds himself in the rain, fighting this kind of cybernetically enhanced dude in furs or something like that. I guess it's the real world. It come, cuts back to the real world, and I, Friday like bursts in and out of reality. This part's kind of confusing, honestly. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's John Smith. Absolutely, yeah. He's got psychic flashes of people being experimented on, making a man-made parent uh, parasite that can reach into people's brains and stuff, um, turning everybody yeah. into cattle. It seems. Yeah, lots of words with no no pun. Yeah, no, it's very much, yeah, a lot of, like, of, like, small word bubbles sort of in a stair-step yeah. pattern and stuff. Again, this is what we were talking about, what he wasn't able to do in the text story, basically. Exactly. <laughs> Just, here's a bunch of stuff that's happening. No, I won't be explaining it. Thank you very much. Uh, Friday fights this fur guy and seems to momentarily also be fighting his friend in the alternate reality and then we get a standard comics uh, get out of my head kind of thing anyway something seems to happen and Friday opens like shoots his gun a couple times and that seems to snap him and Yoshiro out of the trance I guess (laughs) And so it's just sort of, there's a mass of now sort of semi-exploded bodies lying around. And it's just Friday and Yashiro and the two of them embrace each other in the cold rain that comes. Yeah, that's a nice happy ending there. Okay, yeah, I guess. (laughs) We aren't going anywhere from here, so it's just sort of a fun mo. you know, like... I. It is sort of continuing this trend where it seems like Friday is Friday is sort of James Bond-esque where he just periodically makes an emotional connection to a lady who disappears by the time by the time he gets to his next adventure, you know? Yeah. Never mentioned again. That's just uh, yeah. yeah. I guess it's better than than Rogue where he'd meet female characters and they'd inevitably inevitably betray him every time. True. You that know? is true. Like, yeah, she did nothing wrong this really. Yeah, so fa- fair enough, I suppose. <laughs> Whatever. Um, yeah, and and speaking of uh, of uh, uh, treacherous and possibly confused ladies, let's talk about <laughs> Thrill Ten Brigand Doom. 
Uh, script robot Alan McKenzie, art robot Dave DeAntiki, lettering robot Alita Fell. And this is something that we've, I've seen a lot in these specials, which is basically that sub-editor Alan McKenzie has free reign to use these specials to tack on a couple extra chapters of his passion projects. <laughs> like in these special editions that, you know, we've seen a lot of Luke Kirby, which he also wrote. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Now we're sort of having the denouement of his recently finished Brigand Doom. Like we just talked about that initial story, like two episodes on the on the podcast. Yeah, yeah it's just it's yeah, it's almost straight after isn't it? This one, it's, yeah, it's a real direct conclusion to it. Um, I gotta say, I I don't know if I like it in color. I guess I li- I really like Brigand Doom as a black and white story, and yeah, I think it works better than I expected because the, the the black and white is the sort of one of the big points of that story. But this um. It's pretty well colored, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I'd say it helps that they are just using a lot of like, uh, like a blues and dark colors as well, like blues and greens, so that it sort of still has a very monochrome kind of feel to it, almost. I mean, they could have. I suppose what they could have done is um, had her in present day in color, gone into the dream in black and white, um, and then come out again or something. Ah, the old reverse Wizard of Oz. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, Um, Yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, it's fine. I, like you know, I I sort of notice it just because I do think of it as a, as a as as a quintessential modern black and white um, 2008 yeah. thrill, I guess. But yeah, so we are um, we're like five hours since the end of the first Brigand Doom story, and Inspector Nine is reflecting on shooting Doom as she gets as she heads to bed, which is for the fellas, I suppose. But as she sleeps, she smells the scent of mothballs. And Brigand Doom is standing over her bed. Oh, man. Um, it's called Scary Monsters as well, so there's your monster link. I, I guess so, yeah. Um, Doom stands over her. He sort of pops another one of those gas ampules. And when Nine says that she shot him, he uh, pulls a bullet out of his chest. And it's like, oh, then I guess this is yours. <laughs> Which is, you know, a pretty t- s- solid power move, I think. Um <laughs> Anyway, he wants to show Nine reality and warps her down to the city where we see a man dying of uh, malnutrition exposure among a bunch of other people. This is a very sort of Christmas carol, ghost of Christmas yeah. present sort of thing going on here. Appropriate for the uh, for the Christmas holiday weekend that we find ourselves recording on right now. <laughs> he sort of shows her, yeah, people dying of exposure, other people being mugged and beaten and things like that things that should be impossible in this quote-unquote perfect city that we've heard nine talking about a bit in the pages of a brigand doom we sort of end with a very bob cratchit moment again of like a mom like um not eating herself to keep her your children fed because she can't get more food because her husband was killed in a back alley so she can't like get a a death certificate to get like widow's assistance or something like that. I don't know. The bureaucracy is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, there's a lot of being brilliant. It, it does got about sort of specific like tax rebates and things, and it's very it's quite yeah. a bureaucratic adventure, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think in later editions we'll learn more about like what's going on in this city that the character takes place. In the first place, we've just sort of heard little snippets that it's like this perfect city. There's no crime or or poverty or anything. Um, We just heard little pieces of that. But I think we have definitely heard like 
that that's what she believes and 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 things of that nature i guess i don't know. and and yeah and definitely the climax of the first brigand dune is that he finds out he reveals that this mayor has been embezzling things and robin hoods the movie by giving the whole city tax rebates <laughs> like it's very within the system how he does this stuff yeah <laughs> but um yeah so eventually i guess um Nine goes to sleep and Doom says that she won't even really remember this dream. It'll just be one brick in the wall of her disillusionment in the city, bringing one step closer to being perfect. So I guess it's just a spooky dream. Fair enough, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah, it's always a you know it ends up where it's, it's not, it ends up where it starts at the end of the dream, isn't it? Isn't that yeah. necessarily much? But it's, it's, I guess it makes sense for a special because it doesn't advance the, like yeah. like I'm I I I am glad that it's one of these stories where they um where it's not an, a plot essential piece of the story in the special I guess because we yeah. don't have to read it like I feel like we have had I know we've had some tyranny rexes where there's some very important pieces of the tyranny rex story that we only know that we've only seen in the specials and don't know anything about in the uh in the story itself you know or in in the progs which is like not fair to to me who doesn't have access to these specials sometimes i guess <laughs> yeah this is pretty self-contained and it's even she at the end of it doesn't have any yeah hasn't really missed out anything has she exactly so we finish up this special with a pinup i believe by jim mccarthy of, of bix barton on one of his early cases the curse of Chorus. With Bix and Michael Caine walking past some decidedly alive-looking ancient Egyptian god chaps, and yes, they have a they could be cool monsters, I suppose. They? Yeah, they're certainly <laughs> of the like. They could definitely spook like Abbott and Costello or something like that if they if they <laughs> wanted to. Um, I do really love Bix's explorer gear here, like his his pith helmet with a jewel in it, and then his like scarf with these question yeah. marks and things like that. Very Doctor Who, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. And with that, oh man, Martin, we have finished the 1991 sci-fi special. Wow. The second time I've read that. <laughs> very exciting. You know, there was some new stuff just because of the tech story and stuff. So it's very, yeah. you know. No, you're right. You're right. Yes, of course. The first time I've read that. Yes. Yeah. New to you. So, okay. <laughs> with that said, I've got a single question, which is what were your top and bottom thrills for this story or for this uh, special? Yeah, that's tricky. I mean, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it's the best special ever, but um, there's a lot of good artwork, I must say. I do, I do like the, the Brigandoom artwork, I've got to say. Um, I would probably say that despite the uh, the nerdy inconsistencies, I would probably put the Judge Red Clegg's one at the top, just mainly for the art, um, and it's quite funny. Uh, but they could have edited a few details, couldn't they, really? But yeah, it, it, it gets it anyway. So for me, top, top one is the Clegg's. Nice. And bottom, bottom, uh, I'm going to probably say, I'm probably going to say the Rogue Trooper, just because it doesn't really go anywhere. It's, you know, it's a good horror in there, but it could, it could be, it's not necessarily very roguish, is it? And it's, um, but it's fine. It's fine. The artwork is, is pretty good, but it's, um, I guess, look, it's, it's, it's just okay, I guess. So I'll put that. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to let the, uh, let the text one off because it's, it was actually alright, so. I won't, I won't put that in. And then the filler, I, I ignore the filler because that's, that's... Yeah, it's not It's not fair to put filler as your bottom. No, like, no, you know, exactly. it's a, it's doing its job fine. Like, But it's, exactly. its job isn't to be... Yeah, like we said, the job isn't to really tell a good story or be interesting. It's more there just to fill space. So, you know. Um, 
I don't know. Uh, I, I, I actually, I don't know. I, I'll definitely agree with you for, for rogue, for rogue trooper as my bottom story. Um, I just, I just, like we kind of talked about, I had trouble kind of grasping what exactly was going on in the course of the story, especially like, like, or towards the end of the story, like what exactly was happening? Like, was that cyborg fur guy real? And so Rogue fought him through his (laughs) fantasy or something? I wish there'd just been moments where he really kind of realized that his dream world wasn't directly real or you know that's always a nice moment in those in those dream world stories we we didn't really get um for my top i'm close to kind of picking uh, the robo hunter story just because oh yeah i did kind of like that one i like simon jacob i like the design of the bad guy and i felt like it more actually maybe than the prog stories did a decent job of of uh mixing the humor, uh, humor with action, um, sure. that I like from Robo Hunter, but I think in the end I'm gonna agree with you and we'll have some solidarity because that Judge Dredd story is a lot of fun. Like I like the Cleggs e- eating their their kung fu master. Um, I like them having French impressionist names. I love Dredd riding on that little ice cream truck. It's very small to him in comparison to his law law master and stuff, and just all that stuff is 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 just a lot of fun. And also feels very current for 1991, which I think is very cool. And again, a cultural reference I understand, which is rare. So I got to reward that. Cool. It's, yeah, it's um, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, fun times. I guess, you know, yeah, I would agree. Maybe not the best special, but like an okay one. So, you know, we, we, we've seen worse oh, over yeah. the years as well, I think. It's not. That much filler really is a reprint. It's not much of it either. So no, no. One reprint, one big tech story. It's way better than, than last year when all these specials had like 12-page um, thrill archives and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which, again, as we said, valuable at the time, but pretty pretty rough for, for a reread, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. So I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter at spacespinner2k. For everything else, go for spacespinner2000, and we should be there. And, hey, if you like this show, why not consider uh, back in our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Cradaline. We've got a bunch of rewards if you're interested, um, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2000 AD in the magazine, and even a monthly Q&A with uh, Fox and myself just talking about what's going on with us. Um, Martin, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, Absolute pleasure. It's a, you know, really, really enjoyed it. Fantastic. Where uh, can people find you online if you'd like to be found, or you prefer to uh, yeah, stay, stay anonymous in our in our uh, cybernetic state? Yeah. Okay. Well, oh my, I'm, I'm I'm on Twitter. Um, um, at Tainsnap. I don't say much, but um, what I would say is I um am a member of a uh, a group of people uh, called London Comedy Writers, and we before lockdown would meet every every fortnight in London, exchange scripts, and get feedback and. They're still online. They're still keeping it going. So I would like to big up them, the London Comedy Writers. Uh, interesting enough, one of the members, one of the guys who goes there, 
occasionally writes sketches is uh, Kev Hopgood from uh, Oh wow, oh, that's Zero amazing! Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he's he does the old comedy sketch there. So uh, yeah, he's he's pretty funny. So um, yeah, I'd like to pick up those guys mainly. So yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. London. Yeah. Cool. I'll get the uh, I'll, like if if, if 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 there's a link or something, I'll I'll get that for you. Yeah. And put you out and put that in the yeah. show notes. Cool. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Excellent. All right. So come back on. So everybody, please come back on Friday as we talk about the Judge Dredd magazine, which will be part of our uh, big, you know, big Meg One rollout. And then come back next episode of Space Spinner as we finish off several thrills and start some new ones, including a new Friday adventure. Um, the long awaited Mean Machine solo story travels with my shrink. And appropriate yeah. for what you had said, uh, Below Zero with art by Kev <laughs> That's a oh, funny coincidence. Go. Yeah. There All right. <laughs> and until then, I'm Conrad. They're Barton. And we are Space Spitter 2000. Splendid. Splendid. Splendid.